Section 8 of The Quintessence of Ibsenism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Quintessence of Ibsenism by George Bernard Shaw. Section 8. Pillars of Society, then, is the first play in which Ibsen writes as one who has intellectually mastered his own didactic purpose and no longer needs to project himself into his characters. It is the history of one Karsten Bernick, a pillar of society, who in pursuance of the duty of maintaining the respectability of his father's famous firm of shipbuilders, to shatter which would be to shatter one of the ideals of commercial society, and to bring abstract respectability into disrepute, has averted a disgraceful exposure by allowing another man to bear the discredit not only of a love affair in which he himself had been the sinner, but of a theft which was never committed at all, having been merely alleged as an excuse for the firm being out of funds at a critical period. Bernick is an abject slave to the idealizing of a certain schoolmaster, Rorland, about responsibility, duty to society, good example, social influence, health of the community, and so on. When he falls in love with a married actress, he feels that no man has the right to shock the feelings of Rorland in the community for his own selfish gratification. However, a clandestine intrigue will shock nobody, since nobody need know of it. He accordingly adopts this method of satisfying himself, and preserving the moral tone of the community at the same time. Unluckily, the intrigue is all but discovered, and Bernick as either to see the moral security of the community shaken to its foundations by the terrible scandal of his exposure, or else to deny what he did and put it on another man. As the other man happens to be going to America, where he can easily conceal his imputed shame, Bernick's conscience tells him that it would be little short of a crime against society to neglect such an opportunity, and he accordingly lies his way back into the good opinion of Rorland and the company at the emigrant's expense. There are three women in the play for whom the schoolmaster's ideals have no attractions. First, there is the actress's daughter, who wants to get to America, because she hears that people there are not good, and she is heartily tired of good people, since it's part of their goodness to look down on her because of her mother's disgrace. The schoolmaster, to whom she is engaged, consents to her for the same reason. The second has already sacrificed her happiness and wasted her life in conforming to Mr. Stead's ideal of womanliness, and she earnestly advises the younger woman not to commit that folly, but to break her engagement with the schoolmaster, and elope promptly with the man she loves. The third is a naturally free woman who has snapped her fingers at the current ideals all her life, and it is her presence that at last encourages the liar to break with the ideals by telling the truth about himself. The comic personage of the piece is a useless hypochondriac whose function in life, as described by himself, is to, quote, hold up the banner of the ideal. This he does by sneering at everything and everybody for not resembling the heroic incidents and characters he reads about in novels and tales of adventure. But in his obvious peevishness and folly, he is much less dangerous than the pious idealist, the earnest and respectable Rorland. The play concludes 
with Bernick's admission that the spirits of truth and freedom are the true pillars of society, a phrase which sounds so like an idealistic commonplace that it is necessary to add that truth in this passage does not mean the nursery convention of truth-telling, satirized by Ibsen himself in a later play, as well as by Labiche and other comic dramatists. It means the unflinching recognition of facts, and the abandonment of the conspiracy to ignore such of them as do not bolster up the ideals. The idealist rule as to truth dictates the recognition only of those facts, or idealistic masks of facts, which have a respectable air, and the mentioning of these on all occasions and at all hazards. Ibsen urges the recognition of all facts, but as to mentioning them, he wrote a whole play, as we shall see presently, to show that you must do that at your own peril, and that a truth-teller, who cannot hold his tongue on occasion, may do as much mischief as a whole university full of trained liars. The word freedom, I need hardly say, means freedom from slavery to the Roarland ideals. End of section 8. Recording by Steve Wolf, Kirkland, Washington.